Welcome back to Cheers to Leaving. I am your co-host, Molly. And I'm a Rachel. And we have Yasir. She's back. She was on our show um, a couple months ago. It was the Get Your Bliss episode. I highly recommend any listeners who have not listened to that episode to go listen to it now. Because that is, um, I would say, the last chapter of the book that I just read that Yasir wrote. And we're going to talk about it a little bit. I'm super excited. Um, so Yasir is an intimacy and pleasure sexuality doula. She has a um, background in the Black conservative fundamentalist church. Um, this woman is a powerhouse of amazing quotes. <laughs> and to the point, she's just so to the point. She does not skip a beat. She hits so many themes, like just hitting that nail on the head um, in her book, Black Church Girl Adjacent. A Black Woman's Journey in Faith, Feminism, and Freedom. So, welcome, Yaside. Very rambly bio of you. Would you introduce yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Yaside Davis, and I'm an intimacy doula, which means that I help to guide women to an improved sexual, spiritual life by breaking down and reconstructing their beliefs around relationships, religion, and sex. Ta-da! And, Ta-da. You, and she wrote a book, and the book and is out. Book. <laughs> when yes. did the book come out? Um, in the beginning of July. Okay. okay. All right. So it's been out a month and a half. Nice. And I got a signed copy, and... Anyone can get a signed copy. You just got to message the woman and she will send you one. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so this, I have, I have so many, so many dog tags here. Like I, I, this book is full of my highlighting and little sticky notes. Um, it was really, really excellent. And I, I love it because it's a, it's a short to the point read. You can read it in an afternoon, which I, which I did. And then I had to go back and reread it um, because it's, it has so many, so many important parts to it. Um, I think anyone can get a lot from this book. I don't care what your racial background is. This book is for everyone who was raised in a fundamentalist background. It's powerful. Um, But can you just tell us a little bit about like what inspired you to decide to write the book in the first place? Well, I've always wanted to write books and um, I, the universe presented me a publisher and I had all of this, well, most of it on my computer already. I wrote it in, in uh, grad school as part of my master's um, in writing. Oh, amazing. Okay. That makes sense because of the format of the book. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, so you. All those essays you, were, were assignments okay and um every assignment where i can meet the requirements and write about religion that's what i did yeah Mm -hmm. just killed two birds with one stone (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow 
um, I wanted to read a quote um, from the first couple of pages of the book, um, sure. just to kind of give our listeners an idea about what what the whole thing is. And I don't know if you could call this like your little, what would it be called? I smoked a little bit before I got on today, so I'm <laughs> I'm lacking words right now. <laughs> Girl, this um, is not the time to lack words. <laughs> I know, I know. It's like the theme. I, I would say this like covers the theme. I wanted to love God, but at the same time, I couldn't understand how to love him if I was always walking on a million shattered eggshells trying to avoid his wrath. Mm-hmm. Mm. Love that. And that was big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can you share with us your thoughts about, um, about that quote? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, the, when I was going through this with my, um, with my publisher in the beginning, that's what stood out to her. And that's how it ended up being a quote that was pulled out to go in the book in the format that it is. And I think that a lot of, um, denominations of the you know apostolic denominations can relate to that because it's like you are told to love God you're taught to love God but at the same time you're taught but he'll kill you (laughs) and send you to hell or whatever so it's just like well how do I love someone who's always so willingly seems so willingly to kill me and send me to hell over the slightest infraction how do I manage this life I want to love this God that I've been taught about, but I don't want him to kill me. Is that love? What's happening? So, yeah, it's it's what people who are abused do. They Mm -hmm. start to walk on eggshells with the person that they're in relationship with. Mm -hmm. You said something, too, um, near the end. I'm trying to find the quote where you talk about Stockholm Syndrome. A little bit and how mm-hmm. people who are deeply, deeply, deeply ingrained in the church um, and, and raising that kind of like manipulative form of religiosity that it it creates almost a Stockholm syndrome type of experience. And um, I mean, that relates to how trauma shows up in mm-hmm. our lives and, and how it manifests um in ourselves, but can you speak to, um, to that a little bit more about, about the Stockholm syndrome? Cause I think like what you were saying kind of ties into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with the Stockholm Christian, I was literally laying in bed and it just, it just came to me and I was like, okay, let me grab my phone and I'm gonna type all this up because it really connects to, to Christianity in that you can be in the denominations that we know you can be in there and it's abuse and you feel like it may be abusive and you're finally free. It's like, but I don't want to leave because I feel bad for my, uh, my abuser, my oppressor, which is what happens with Stockholm. You know, they were, they were hostages. And then when the rescue team came, they felt pity for and sorry for and affection for the person who was holding them hostage just because there wasn't any um, physically brutal abuse is kind of seen as it, oh, it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm, but emotional right. abuse is a real thing and it runs very, very deep and takes years and lifetimes to, to work through. So and it's like that with Christianity. Um, you're not quite wanting to leave because there's all these good things that the oppressor did for you. 
even though it was hurt, things were hurting you at the same time. Right. Yeah. That's so true. Um, I want to take a step back and just kind of, is this book mostly about kind of your journey with like leaving Christianity and kind of where you're at today or no, what would it, you say it's more about it's, it's for our listeners? Glimpses. It's glimpses of my journey. Um, I'll dive deeper into details of it in the next mm-hmm. book. Okay. But this one, um, it just highlights some of the issues um, that I encountered, like um, grief in the church, not really dealing with that and um, tithing and my thoughts on that. I was wondering if you were going to do a second book because I got to the end of it and I was like, I feel like you could write a book about every single one of the chapters that you wrote (laughs) because every chapter is a different theme within an essay to back it up. So it's like a glimpse into your life. So it's like you showing how this theme showed up in your life in the church and then you write an essay about that theme and so it's so cool because you're pulling from all of these different authors and all of these different um you know thought leaders about these very real issues and you're like yep and it showed up in my life and this is and this is how it manifested in my life so it's powerfully written because it's it's personal but it's also a lot of people's story Mm. yeah it's personal and then it's also part of the academic world because there is academic writing through the essays and it just worked out that way. Like at the time that I was writing the essays, I wasn't necessarily thinking about my journey. I was just thinking about, Oh, I can relate this to church. Um, Cause at the time when I was in grad school, I was, um, um, I wasn't fully exited out of church, but I was on the way out. So I was still there. And trying to decide, I was like, I was like, am I feminist? I think I'm a feminist. (laughs) (laughs) Which that that doesn't mix with with church. Yeah, well, you have a whole couple chapters about that. (laughs) I think feminism, feminism and church do not do not um, work together. But in your experience, I feel like in your church experience, it was even more exaggerated. Um, You talk about how, well, first of all, you touch on the different waves of feminism. And that's important for us to understand because there are different forms of feminism mm-hmm. and different and different waves of it created all of these different mm-hmm. kinds of feminism. Can you talk about that a little bit and how black feminism is a little bit different from what we've been taught feminism is? I thought that was yeah. really fascinating. Um, the thing with black feminism is it takes into consideration that we're black, mm-hmm. whereas with white feminism, it cared about women's issues, but it did not take into consideration race mm-hmm. because the issues that impact us are different than what will impact you. Mm-hmm. And it has to be it has to be considered, and it and it didn't. So we had to do what we had to do so that we get the true intersectionality of what that looks like for black women. Yeah. yeah. I think it was really powerful to put that in the book because mm-hmm. um, I mean, not only we're we dealing with, you know, being inside of a church, but being inside of the same kind of like oppression and patriarchy 
outside of the church and inside of the church and how it all connects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very powerful, you know. Um, like during during uh, the the first and second waves, there it was about the right to vote for women. Mm-hmm. And there were black women right alongside white women, but when women got the right to vote, it didn't include us. Yeah, we still didn't vote. Mm-hmm. You know, because we were still less than, even though we were all together fighting for the same thing. That thing wasn't granted to black women, and white women were fighting for you know that being able to do certain things that men could do that they didn't want to be be home all the time. They want to do more than just have babies and take care of home. Whereas for black women, we've always worked. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes taking care of the children of white women. So we didn't have that luxury of, of being home and having or having a choice to, to be at home if that's what we wanted. So it was just things that did not include how, how race comes into play when it's coming for women's rights and um, equality and equity. What's interesting too is because like you mentioned how black women were always working, right? But pull the church into it and now suddenly you're supposed to make home for a man and take care of the home and take care of all mm-hmm. of that and you better not be caught lacking in those areas. Yeah. yeah. So with my experience with black church, it was when you dig into it, it's kind of make wanting it to be more white mm. um be at home raise the kids and all this kind of stuff like but sir we've worked and raised the kids we've had to do it all mm-hmm. and then that, that comes into with the whole black women are strong we can take it all kind of that's a whole nother a whole nother thing but um yeah I was definitely taught that my first priority is home and should I decide to work and my and my husband agrees that that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's got to agree. My, they can see my <laughs> yeah. <eye laughs> yeah, he's making the stink face. <laughs> he better you know, he, he better be okay with that. Okay. I can work as long as I can juggle work and home. If home starts to fall off, then the job has to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you say some really powerful things about this topic. It's like for many, the spoken and unspoken notion that a black feminist is a woman who doesn't know her place is what has given way to the breakdown of the black family and the breakdown in black families leads to changes and shifts within the black church, like just scapegoating black women, just like, you know what, it's all your yeah. fault. It's like, it's <laughs> girl, you did it. You it's your fault. Yes. You like can't be good enough to earn your keep. You can't. It's like, there's no yeah. winning here. There's, it's, it's not, there's no winning. If you're a woman and if you're a black woman, and if you're a Christian, you're not getting salvation <laughs> because you're never going to be able to do enough. Like, and I, I feel like this, you know, God is a capricious God and he is, you know, you really are walking around on eggshells, like just trying to like earn your keep every step of the way. Yeah. You're, so, you're trying to um, earn salvation that you're taught is free. Isn't that yeah. weird? <laughs> it is weird. They're like, well, like it's, salvation. It's, it's a gift. It's free. Just take it. That's all you have to do. And it's like, <laughs> you got to work for it. <laughs> yeah, there's rules. No one talks about the rules. 
It's like that guilt tripping that people do when you get some, when they they feel like you didn't earn it enough. You didn't Mm -hmm. earn it. So you don't get to Mm -hmm. enjoy it. You know, you you Mm -hmm. need to show that you earned it. Like you can't just have nice things. Or when they give you something and expect you to like be really grateful or expect something in return or, Mm -hmm. you know, so like Mm -hmm. just because you're given salvation, you have to do all these things we're talking about right now, you know, like you got to work, you got to serve, you got to do all of this stuff. And Mm -hmm. if you're not, then are you really saved? (laughs) I would question your salvation. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is, go go ahead, Rach. Okay. I was going to say, I liked too in your book. Well, I didn't read your whole book, but this part that Molly sent me, when you talk about like feminism is about like getting rid of like the God order, I think is what you said, God's order. And like, because that also gets rid of, you know, putting women underneath men. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I've never really thought about it that way because it really does come from the Bible that, you know, men are like responsible to God and women are responsible to the men, you know, it's like this mm-hmm. whole like order thing, but it, it really does start with God. Feminism. Mm-hmm. So it's God, the husband, mm-hmm. the wife, kids, but yeah, we're definitely supposed to be more subservient um, yes. to the man. Like he's the final, he's a final authority. Like mm-hmm. if we have kids and, you know, the kid wants to do something, you know, what your daddy say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that whatever he said, that's probably going to be what it is. Yeah. Or like he gets the final say, at least. He gets the final say. The final he tries to talk to him some more and maybe, you know, change his mind about whatever. But at the end, he gets the final say. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's really easy to fall into old, like, ways of thinking when yeah. when you're in relationships and things like that you know and we're trying to navigate like dating and stuff and you you're like no i am a strong independent woman i don't need no man but i want a man so like i'm going to be open to this but then we just find ourselves like falling into this weird submissive subservient like i have to earn my keep type of mentality mm-hmm. and you know you're leading this and you know, I guess I'll just go along with however you want this relationship to go. I see this time and time again in my life and in others, you know, of where we just keep slipping back into these patterns, even though we've left that kind of construct. Yeah. Yeah. For me, that's very true. Um, (laughs) Because you have to still deal with like that residue of those, of that old life. Mm-hmm. And once you, when you realize that that's what's happening, then you can adjust accordingly. But the things that are deeply rooted in, into your psyche, they don't just disappear overnight or over a couple of years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's especially when you've been like brainwashed with them your whole life. Right. Right. And you're kind of rewiring your brain, really. Because it's been wired to think a certain way. So you have to actively rewire it and understand that it's okay to be independent. Because when you say strong, independent woman in a church setting, that's not good. It's actually um, looked down upon because, no, you're not supposed to be strong, independent. But you can be independent and still desire a mate. Because, you know... People, I don't think men 
really know what they want because Neo has a um, song. <laughs> they do not know what they want. <laughs> you know, she got her own and she, you know, she don't really need me for money and things like that. But then you have people um, who think that women who earn money, for example, are trying to be like men. Like, you want us to have our own or you want us to be totally dependent on the Like, what y'all want out here in these relationship streets? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like they want us to be independent. They want us to have our life together, but like also like, oh, don't be too independent. Don't be too independent yeah, now. That's not, that's not cute. It's not like sexy. Like they want us to, they want to see us being independent as single women and bring all of that to the table and just drop it. Like what, or mm-hmm. like, what do you want? What do you want? Because if we are here, you know, not able to like have our own space and pay all of our bills on our own and stuff. Then they're like, I don't know if I want her. She ain't got nothing to bring to the table. But then if I am doing it by myself now, I got too much to bring to the table. But you know what? I'm going to be like Jesus and just flip the whole damn table. Okay. (laughs) Flip the table. There is no table. The table is gone. I just had a conversation with somebody. I'm like back on dating apps and I had a conversation with this guy on Bumble about like, what do you bring to the table? And I did it with like, you know, the SpongeBob meme, what do you bring to the table? (laughs) And that writing, and I was just kind of making fun of it. But then he was like, no, like I'll actually tell you. And he's like, I, this is, I don't bring anything to the table because I'm being selfish right now and trying to, you know, make moves for me. And I was like, oh, that's great. I don't bring anything to the table either because I built the goddamn table. This is my (laughs) table. I am I the just, table. I, I am, am the table. table. <laughs> Be the table. What do you bring to the table? Me. <laughs> Myself. Yeah. Do you see all this shit? It's all mine. I bought it <laughs> for me. <laughs> anyway, tangent on dating. Um, yeah. Um, this is so I, funny. I would love to talk about the the sacrificial giving because... One, we actually did tithe um, in my home church once it got a little bit bigger and we moved to like a building and it kind of became like a thing. But also people would just sort of like give to our pastor and his wife, which I didn't really have a huge problem with because they kind of did all of this without expecting anything in return, you know? So like they would tithe. And um, I thought it was interesting that in the church that you were in a leadership position and in your book, you talk about how you absolutely had, like it was required to tithe if you were in a leadership position. And if you didn't, then you would be like suspended essentially. So mm-hmm. I- I'm assuming they had scriptures to back that up, but I like, what the I fuck? Don't, yeah. I, I don't know <laughs> why they're interpreting it that way. Like, what you know? is this about? <laughs> Please explain. Why? This is yeah. Why wild. is your church so hardcore about it? Like, well, I grew the way I grew up. Period. It was you. You had to tithe as was as it the ten percent? Was it yeah ten percent? Okay, yeah. So which you, isn't biblical, by the way, either. Like, there's nowhere in the Bible where they're like, it has to be ten percent. Where did the ten well, percent come from? Because tithe, the word tithe means a tenth. But I grew up like that's what you do if you if mm-hmm. that's part of earning. And keeping your salvation is paying the tithe. It's not. It's not something that's optional, like a like an offering. Is you got to do it. 
Right. So I grew up with that teaching, but when I became, you know, when I got into a leadership position, it wasn't necessarily a scripture that they used that said leaders have to be suspended. That was just their rule because of scriptures that say, you know, if you don't, uh, if you rob God, you're tied and offering, then you're cursed. So if you're a leader and you're cursed, by default, that curse can flow down to the people, the lay members. So that's how What? Well, because if the the leaders aren't doing it, then other people will think they don't pay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So can you tell just the story of what happened? I don't want to give your whole book away, but I think this, I would like you to talk about this story of what happened (laughs) when you, and were you married at this time? You had a partner. Okay. So when you and your partner decided that you guys needed a family car, but you were going to have to budget differently Mm -hmm. and part of budgeting differently was not tithing for a certain Mm -hmm. period of time. Can you please talk about this process and like, did you, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I wouldn't have told the pastor that I wasn't going to tithe anymore, but like mm-hmm. they, so were they like tracking your guys's like tithes as leaders? Like every time and be like, put it in, put it like, in. It wasn't just a, a basket gathering at church on Sunday. Did you have like a monthly bill you had to pay? Like, <laughs> you know what? I always grew up, even even from a kid, um, being taught that tithing is your number one bill. It is a bill, honey. But that's wow. like, part of your budget. It's the first thing you pay, and everything else falls where it falls. But that was funny that you said that. But um, in the instance yeah. in being suspended, you know, we had a um, a leadership meeting like every month and everything. And at this particular meeting, it was said that. You know, when uh, the pastor, if the pastor goes, whenever the pastor decides to go check the books, if it's being shown that you haven't been faithful in paying tithes and you're a leader, then that means you're going to have to be, as we say in Black Church, sat down. That I mean, you can't do your duties. Um, mm-hmm. And so months later, you know, our car, the transmission went out in our SUV and it was, it was an old SUV. So, you know, let's get it. Let's just get a car and we had the money to afford the note um by if we budgeted differently that mean cutting out ties that was a set amount every month the same thing and pretty much that equaled a car note and um me being the person that i am I was like, you know what, pastor ain't going to have to go check the books and see that we ain't paying. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to pastor woman to woman. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go tell him what it is. <laughs> and, and that's what I did. I went and, and, you know, of course my, my husband and I, we talked about it. I was, we were really paying ties because he felt like that's what we needed to do. By the time I got to, to that particular church, I was way over paying, t- paying ties. I had already researched. She was over it. I, yeah. I was, you know. <laughs> I had no problems not paying. So he, we were really doing it for his peace of mind because he grew yeah. up on um, Church of God in Christ. So okay. that's a, very similar to Pentecostal. And anyway, so we talked about it and I was like, we got the money, but this is what it's going to look like as far as the money that we um, put out to the church. And because I was doing the wifely thing and talking it over with my husband and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But whether he agreed to it or not, <laughs> 
<laughs> we was not gonna be paying tithes because that's stupid. <laughs> you need a new car. <laughs> well, we need a new car, and the money's sitting right there every month. So I went to the pastor myself, and um, you know, set a meeting with her, and I told her like, look, you know, we got this new car, and so we won't be paying tithes because that's how we. That's how we're paying for our car note. Our first ministry, as we have always been taught, is to home. Because mm-hmm. it's stupid to not pay your car note and pay tithes and then have to borrow money or have your car repoed or whatever. Because I literally grew up, you know, if you got a if you got a disconnect notice and the only money that you still have is the money that you're supposed to tithe, you need to pay your tithes. Not what? Your but That's what is church going to so give you? <laughs> and sometimes the church can't give you jack squat. Or they yeah. may not give you anything if you haven't been faithful in attendance or you haven't and all the other things. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. That's a but lot. That, that's how the suspension happened. And um she just pastor, said like outright you're suspended. Yeah, she I, she said, Well, you know what the you know what the rule is. I mean, she appreciated me coming to her myself instead of her having to see it in the in the logs. Mm-hmm. Um the fact that they're yeah. even tracking the logs. Like yeah, when you when you, pay, when you pay your tithes, you have um you get a tithe. There's tithing envelopes, and then there's just offering envelopes for people who want to track their offerings and stuff. For um, because church is a five hundred one c three and tax reports and all, all that kind of stuff. Is I was just gonna say too, they're tax exempt, and yet they're bringing in a monthly income. Yeah, they, their members. Churches, some churches bring in. I mean, we see the mega. You're the paying. Mega you know. You're paying a membership to participate. It's ten percent yeah, of your income, essentially. It, it yeah, be, yeah, it can be that way. But um, I got I pastor was supposed to sit down, have a meeting with me, so we can get more in depth. And I was like, cool, because I already knew what scripture she was going to come with, and what scripture was those that? same ones that that you know, like, well, these same scriptures say I don't need to do that as a New Testament believer. <laughs> Yeah, no, but the meeting, the meeting never happened. And so a year later after I was suspended, I'm like, I, I have no purpose here. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. I'm not helping anybody. Um, I feel I've plateaued. I've gone as far as I can go here. And I, not just here in this church, but just with church, period. Wow. And I woke up one day in November of 2018. I was like, this is my last service. And, and then that was it. That was my last service, and um, wow. That, and I haven't. I I went back one time for like an interactive Bible study game night or something. They invited me to, but an actual member of a church attending regularly that hasn't happened since twenty eighteen. Wow! And I left there still suspended. Like I, I couldn't. That means I, I I was suspended. That means I couldn't teach Bible study anymore. I couldn't teach Sunday school anymore. I couldn't do anything. And the pastor didn't give me any specifics to what it meant to be sat down. So I went to my default setting because, um, my, you know, as I've said before, I'm a PK. And mm-hmm. uh, my own daddy has sat me down before back in the day. And so I, I did, I defaulted because when my daddy sat you down, you couldn't do nothing but give your testimony. <laughs> you couldn't help with the prayer line and altar call. You couldn't play an instrument, sing in the choir, usher. 
nothing. So that's what that's I did. Insane. And I got called back in the office while I was still there. And pastor was like, you don't help with the, you don't help with the prayer line. Like you'll see somebody just being fall, you know, falling out in the spirit. I was like, oh, I thought I was cursed. You told me I was sat down. You, you told me I couldn't do anything. <laughs> I didn't want I didn't want my curse to get on on the people you know falling out <laughs> under the power of the Holy Ghost. I was like, don't fall out over here because I'm not going to catch you. I'm sat down. <laughs> I'm gonna stay right. I'm gonna keep sitting right here. <laughs> I'm comfortable. <laughs> you know, working a prayer line is part of of a ministerial duty. So you told me I can't do my duties. Right. Right. So on, on the floor they go. <laughs> Before they go, what's insane? They need a (laughs) The floor ministry, come help them. (laughs) (laughs) Have a floor crew. I bet Um, they do. (laughs) They scrape them up off the floor. Scrape them off the floor. (laughs) Oh man, Virginia's down again. (laughs) Scrape. Um, Clean up on our hill. (laughs) I think it's insane that, like, pastors are like abusing their power and like you know uh, you know i i don't know like doing all this weird sketchy stuff and they get to st- stay in positions stay in their position you know but you just stop paying tithe and they're just like no they're acting like you like it's a character flaw or something there's something like like how is you not tithing make you unfit to leave because i wasn't obeying the word of god Right. And and tithing is like a thing you have to do. Um, But, you know, that whole that that whole time we were still giving an offering. Did nobody say my my offering money was cursed? Right. Yeah. Still taking your money for offering. That's insane. But I was suspended for not paying the tithe. So you you not have paid like five dollars or something. Well, she was giving an, she was giving an offering, but she wasn't giving ten percent of her income. Yeah, I wasn't. So the offering paid. is additional oh, to the tithe. Okay, yeah, so you said something so in the gross. book. Of, yeah, no, she so she said something about this in the book where basically it was such manipulation that if you gave an offering on top of your tithe, your blessings would be like pushed to the front essentially like <laughs> you like would get the, the vip vip to blessings <laughs> yeah the tithing gives you like access to to all these blessings of god and you know then in addition up manipulation a free will offering something from your heart that you don't really have to do that's just opening the door for for more and more blessings and the vip access and I've heard it. This is the premium package. <laughs> yes, premium VIP saint. If you don't pay your tithes, then you essentially are cursing um, your family. You're putting a hole in your bag. You're never going to have enough because you don't pay tithes. If you pay your tithes, you're, it's like a guarantee that you're going to have your basic needs met. And you're going to be blessed on, blessed on, blessed. Listen, I paid faithful, faithfully for years with really no change in income or lifestyle and I didn't pay for years with no change so mm-hmm. I, yeah it's it's all it's all malarkey yeah. <laughs> it's and all a bunch of baloney growing up like okay so if people like like R&B artists and all these singers and actors you know because you know they're not singing church music so they ain't safe right because you don't do that right right but they're rich 
Mm-hmm. They probably don't pay tithes, so how they not poor? Right. And right. Down here is Christian, they're so blessed. Tithes, but we we broke. Right. Brokeity broke broke. You're not broke because you're in a pyramid scheme, which is the church. You've joined yep. the pyramid scheme. Yeah, like, like <laughs> it is <hell>. an MLM. <laughs> And then my, my answer was always like the law of giving, it works so that, you know, a lot of times these people who have a lot of money, they give to charitable organizations and, you know, they give from, from what they've been, been blessed with. But I'm like, but even if they're giving, but they're not paying tithes, how are they still blessed with all this money? Like yep. math ain't math and the logic ain't logic. Yeah, <laughs> logic and logic. We're we're down here expected to give and give and give until it hurts us. The sacrificial part of it, because you're you'll be blessed in your sacrifice. And without fail, somebody always uses the woman with the two mites or the woman yes. who had um just a little bit of meal in her barrel and she was going to make her cake um, for her and her son to eat and then die. But instead, she made a cake for the man of God, and then her barrel was never empty. (laughs) What the hell? You know what? The deeper I go into this, yeah, no, the deeper we go into the subject matter on this podcast, I'm just like, what the fuck? (laughs) I I was believing this. (laughs) I was sold. No, but this is, no, Christianity is uh, a pyramid scheme. Uh, The church is a pyramid scheme. Like it is, and then capitalism is a pyramid scheme, and yeah, we've all just. Yeah, been I mean, the church into. has to have a sure way to make money. It's you know? network and, marketing. And that's what they're doing. No, think about paying. it. Think about it. It is network marketing. You have the pastor at the top, right? And then mm-hmm. underneath him, you have the deacons, right? And underneath the deacons, you have like all of the the people who like come in and volunteer their time, the Sunday school people, like um, the the youth pastors. Yeah, all the different pastors. Like, okay, so mm-hmm. now we got the pyramid, right? Everyone's paying tithes and everyone's paying 10% of their income to the pastor, okay, or to the church, right? And then all of these people have to, because it's an evangelical type of church right so we have to evangelize and bring more people in to our religion so we we're going to be recruiting money. people and bringing people to our church who are also going to start tithing it is a pyramid scheme I, my yeah. mind is blown right now i've never thought of church like this but now i am and i can't undo it well i mean <laughs> it makes complete sense because you're you know you have the five the five-fold ministry yeah so, um, you know, those are like the top five departments or heads, you know, the pastors, the deacons, the preachers, the teachers, and I think um, evangelists are in the fivefold. Yeah. So y'all can Google it real quick. My, I think my computer died, but fivefold ministry, those are the top people. And yeah, I mean, it's have, the pyramid, the top yeah, of the pyramid. Yeah. And then you just have the, the lay members and everybody's giving money now bigger churches they they pay their their pastors and and um musicians and all those people may have a salary in smaller churches you're expected to to do all of this for free uh-huh. yeah. you're expected yeah, well, i've to, been a part of both play, kinds play your instrument for free you're expected to preach and teach for free um and oftentimes the lord's work the only one who gets paid um mm-hmm. And I did attend a church where the pastors, the, the pastors 
wasn't a salary because salary is the same thing every month, but whatever tithe money came in, that's what it went to the pastor. So if that starts dropping off, it's like, you know, y'all not paying tithes. Y'all know this is how the pastor lives. And then in cases, the pastor has an outside job and they do put the tithe money back into the church and back into the members should that should needs arise. But a lot of times that's not the case. Mm, yeah. I always thought it was weird. Okay. So like I grew up in a house church, so we didn't tithe. We did do um, offerings, but that money went toward like very specific things. Like it was like, Hey, we're going to get money for this one specific thing. And then that's where the money's going. Um, because we were, it was house church. We were in each other's mm-hmm. homes. Like it, we didn't have a building to support. Um, right. But then we, when um, we started going to an established church in a building, there was tithing. And I remember like looking at the back of the brochure because once every three months they would do the, the income report on the back of like your church brochure thing that they give you like at the beginning of the yeah. service. Yeah. And um, they, they put their monthly amounts on there of like what they brought in in tithes. And showing you where the money's going, like this is going towards electric, this is going toward water, this is going toward our children's minister, this is going toward our youth pastor, this is going to the pastor. Like you could see everybody's salary. It was really interesting. And I think that was the church's way of trying to stay ethical with their tithing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I can see that. And I, I completely understand, you know, you get a building, it costs to run the building. Right. And you have all these ministries going on. You do need full-time people. You have to pay yeah. salaries. Right. But then yeah. why are they tax exempt? Because they're 501c3 nonprofit. Nonprofits but they're are a business. It, don't girl. Don't be calling these people's churches a business. That's offensive, honey. It's offensive. <laughs> Someone's coming for me. <laughs> it is a business. They don't want to like to say that, but it is. But I just Googled fivefold ministry because I couldn't quite remember. But I it's the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Okay. So mm. I fell into the realm of teacher. And I was sat down. But um, yeah, I just got to the point where I was like, you know, I'm not going to keep setting myself up with this sacrificial giving nonsense. Yeah. And then I'm <laughs> running run around here like, oh, my God, where's my light bill money going to come from? Because I paid my tithes. You know, where is the food money going to come from? I paid, right. you know, and I'm not frivolous with my money. I budget. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I was just spending money on everything and not taking care of things that I needed to take care of. It's like I just didn't have it. Not yeah. if I was going to also pay tithes. Something was not. Ten percent of your money. income is a lot. I mean, yeah, I want to calculate what ten percent of my income is right now. I'm not going <laughs> to tell you guys the number because that's no. But let's just see. Okay, so wait, no, that's not how much I made. Okay. Um. I'm, I'm doing math right now. <laughs> you said it's 10%. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a and lot of money. And then there's some, some churches that preach it's 10% of your uh, gross. Right. Yeah. Which is what you're saying. You'd be looking real rich on your gross. And so I, <laughs> right. And so and then some some people are like no just pay on your net like that's a, that's a whole debate within the in the, within the church 
is it gross in there? Because you know, people people don't be want they don't want to rob God. They don't want God to curse them. They don't want to go to hell for not paying from the gross or you know, not girl. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. That sounds no. so superstitious. All of it. Just like just a con. It's a con. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Look, girl, sure. you got a revelation, honey. You got a revelation. I did. I did. I'm never looking at church the same again. I can't undo this. I'm, I'm ruined. I'm ruined. I knew it was a business, but the pyramid scheme thing, like, really just opened my eyes. Yeah. Have you said something seen, about, uh, go ahead. Have y'all seen the video floating around the pastor um, kind of rebuking his congregation? For not they, buying him know, a watch? Yes. I do. I guess I sent that to Rachel. Like that, I've heard sermons like that. You have? Yeah. Can you speak on that? That ain't (laughs) nobody's normal experience. (laughs) Where did you send it to me at? I think I sent it to the Cheers to Leaving Instagram. Okay. You know, this dude was like, "Y'all not, I'm not worth y'all McDonald's money. Y'all broke, busted, and disgusted because of how y'all honor me." And I've heard, I've heard very similar things to this. Especially when it's around um, <clears throat> pastors' appreciation time. Mm-hmm. This is a big thing in Black church. Pastor appreciation. I've never, I don't the know what this is. pastor and first lady's appreciation service is a big thing. You normally have um, some kind of uh, really big offering that you're supposed to, to give. And you have like a whole year to get this offering um, I attended a few churches where, where it, it, each member, like adult member, was supposed to give like $500. And in one case, it had went up to like $1,000. So then you have these couples and a lot of them, the wives were not working, but then it fell to the husband to come up with them two G's for his family. Like, it's a thing. And so you hear a lot of, you had a whole year to get this money. You'd be going out to eat after church. You could have been saving that for your um, appreciation offering. There's really no excuse for you not to have it. This is all manipulation. And so, you know, as much as, oh, what's that scripture? The Bible says, says to not muzzle the ox that treaded out the corn, you know, you know, you got the pastor working hard for you on your behalf. He or she's worthy of this little thousand dollars plus a gift that you need to bring on appreciation. Guilt tripping. Yeah, it's a lot of guilt tripping. You know, a lot of people are doing the best that they can. They want to give something, but you ain't meet your thousand dollars. And so because you didn't meet that, it's it said that you don't appreciate your leadership. That they're not worthy to you doesn't mean. And for me, it's like people can love somebody and honor them and appreciate what they do, but they ain't got a they ain't got a thousand dollars, not even in a year. Yeah, yeah. And how I many mean, people really be... in real life, average person, can even save a thousand dollars in their personal account? Well, right now I can't. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, because you know you got bills. Yeah, I make a living. I make a good. Like I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, I actually make a decent living. But I did get a roommate because it's a recession, and uh, you know, I don't really have like a savings. Like I'm a very typical millennial who doesn't have a savings account. Like this is a normal thing, and the pandemic wrecked us. Like if you were not wrecked in the pandemic, you have privilege. So many people were wrecked in the pandemic mm-hmm. financially. And um, so any savings I did have from all my hardworking years, um, peace out. Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. I, I don't have love their guilt, man. I don't have a thousand dollars to give to a goddamn church of <laughs> 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 where I can't even minister. I'm not even allowed to be a minister. Like why would listen, <laughs> I feel the frustration. I'd be like, oh, you're going to sit me down. Great. I'm just never going to pay tithes again because like yeah. if I can't even minister here and I can't participate unless I'm paying this membership fee, this is so dumb. You're putting a price tag on my salvation. Yeah. There's a price tag. And then you have these special prayer lines just for tithe payers. What? Hey, what? Okay. First <laughs> of all, I need this to be everybody's experience. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> yeah, I've seen just so much. Like, even at the church that um, I last went to, you know, they would call up, you would, we want to say a special prayer for the tithe pair. So, everybody who paid your tithes faithfully come up here. And then I was just sitting there looking like everyone's uh, just walking up, just, mm, I paid my tithe today. Us who were sitting down, because, you know, you don't want to get up there and walk up in line and they like, like no, you don't pay or you don't want to walk in line. No, that they you turn, before, will you're they turn you away? Because you ain't paid. So, you know. Will they turn you away if you come up and they're like, mm-mm, mm-mm, you didn't pay your tithe. You were late. You got to go sit down. You can't get prayer. Yeah. You know, this is for tithe payers. Wow. It's a That's membership. You know, so it's best that if you're not paying, don't go up there and be embarrassed. Well, wow. you're going to be embarrassed anyway because you're sitting down. And so everybody's going to know that you don't pay. I'm not talking about visitors, you know, who are visiting right. the church. I'm talking about pe- members. members, you know. Right, right. Wow. So do they okay. have any other special privileges for tithing? I mean, that's like a special be- prayer line? <laughs> no, nothing. No. Okay. Other than, okay. you know, the, the, the blessings from the Lord. Yeah. Oh, you know, <laughs> that, that's about it. Just the blessings. You said something really interesting about like, if you were a church member and it just struck me that the church that we were in after house churching, um, house churching, it's now a verb, <laughs> house churching. Um, that you had to be voted in as a member. It was put to a vote. Wow. Now that's so. not my experience. Oh, I did go to a church that if you wanted to serve like on a committee or something, you had to do an application. Yeah, well, that's uh, that was our church too. But like, no, if you wanted to become a member of a church, yeah, the member, no, I never heard that one. Yeah, you applied. You had to that's meet with the pastor. Wild. You couldn't just be like, "I'm a member of this church now." No, if you wanted to be a member of the church, you had to go through like this process, and then get and you could get in. rejected. Yeah, I remember sitting in church. It was like every. It was every quarter. Every quarter they did an extra long service and it was like they would go over budget, tithing, and new memberships. Like new members. And we would like vote them in. That is wild. Yeah, it's weird. Isn't that doesn't that go against like everything that the church like preaches? Like yeah, it's, salvations it's bus- for everyone. And, it's a like, business. It's yeah. That 
I wonder how they justified put that Jesus, biblically. Put Jesus in your shopping cart. It's a cart. <laughs> <laughs> Let me prime that Jesus. <laughs> prime day. I'm going to get my salvation in two days. Uh, at it's a discount. <laughs> That's crazy. This is, it just gets sketchier and sketchier and sketchier. I mean, we knew the Catholic Church was up to some sketchy shit when it comes to money. Like the Vatican has so much freaking money. The Pope is one of the richest men in the world. Um, but you don't hear about like these tiny little churches and the the kind of weird stuff that they do with money too. I mean, even just that video of that. I mean, this guy probably had a mid-range church, probably, you know, somewhere around a thousand members, like not mega church yet, you know, but almost talking about how you didn't buy me a watch for my appreciation. Like all I do for you, that is so like, not about God. That's so not like somebody sent it to me. I was like, I know this. I've heard stuff like this. This It's not shocking to me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we got to post that up on our Instagrams because that video was nuts. He was angry. He was so he was. angry. Oh my goodness. What an entire. I'm not worth your McDonald's money. I'm not worth your Louis Vuitton money. I'm not worth your St. John mint. I don't know what that is. But he said, Y'all can't afford that anyway. Like he was going off. Yeah, he was. He was going off and he was naming all these brands and stuff. And I was like, Damn, dude, you feel some type of way? <laughs> You didn't get the also, watch you wanted like, for your birthday. Isn't Jesus's whole thing is like sell, sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me? Like, sir, it's a little. What what, what Bible are you reading? Mm-hmm. I, apparently, the one that say buy me a Mavado watch. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible that says I need Gucci, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> and I'm not against. I'm not against pastors having nice things, but no. delivery is is what gets me. If I feel led to give to you, then let me let let me do that on my own. Don't try to gaslight me or uh, use fear tactics on me or tell me I'm going to be cursed because I don't pay tithes and the person next to me who don't love God at all going to be more blessed because they do play, pay tithes. Like, I'm... Mm-mm. I mean, we should know by now that that's all Christianity is. It's just one giant fear tactic. So Mm -hmm. they're going to, they're going to do that. They do it with, with, you know, salvation. You need salvation or you're going to go. Are you going to damnation? I had a aunt, God rest her soul. Oh, I love her so much. But she was hardcore, old school, Pentecostal, like back in the day. um, I had aunts who used to wear doilies on their head. That kind of old school Pentecostal. And she used to tell us all the time growing up, y'all need to get saved. Y'all going to be sucking up the flames. Sucking Damn. up the flames. Chill. <laughs> that wasn't y'all experience. <laughs> all hell, yeah. fire, and brimstone. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of hell, for sure. Sucking up the flames. It doesn't matter that you're 15 or 16 or, you know, you're still young Eight. enough to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the age of accountability always weirded me out too because it's different how old are you when you start tithing like how old is like the age that it's expected to start tithing with lds i know it's eight (laughs) when you get a job no they want yes yeah it's it's age eight Mm -hmm. they want you to tithe from your allowance oh yep or that but see i grew up in the house where 
I didn't get no allowance. So there's that. But when I got my first job at 16, you know, I paid my tithes because at that point, that's what I grew up doing. And so I just did it once I got a job. But yeah, any any income. My parents wanted me to tithe as well. To tithe from. Not just, you know, a paycheck income, but if I'm babysitting and, you know, Suzanne is paying me cash, I need to pay tithes off that. Yeah, Man, I my did parents not did that ever, as well. I, I never think I was around off. 10 when they started teaching me to do that. I always thought it was weird. I was like, I'm not going to put my money in this collection plate. And I'm also like the pastor's child. So I don't really give a fuck about any of this. I was just like, mm, that's not for me. <laughs> that's for other <laughs> people. Isn't it interesting like what people decide like matters to them, like what's important to them. Yeah. Well, my parents never enforced me to like pay tithes. I, I remember sitting in Sunday school one day and talking to like my little friend and um, we, this was like house church days. And she was like, talking to me about how she really wanted to buy this thing, but she couldn't because she had to give her allowance to the church. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> Who said you had to do that? And she's like, well, my dad God. said I had to do that. And I said, yeah, but like my dad's like in charge and I don't think you have to do that. You can probably buy what you want. <laughs> well, my dad said you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. And she was just like, no, I have to do this. We were like seven, really young. And she was like, yeah, I'm going to give my allowance, you know, it was kind of like guilt tripped into us a little bit, but yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't really, I never is. really did that. I just, I volunteered a lot. Like I was like, oh, my time is my tithe, I guess. Nope. Yeah, I asked that involved. question in Bible study before. Look, you know, can I tithe with my time? Because I do give a lot of time to the church. The answer was no. Wow. You can't even tithe with your time. See, I'd be no, over here breaking didn't. rules. I wasn't even going to be saved anyway, man. See, I wasted so much time because like I wasn't doing any of this, right? <laughs> that old Christian thing. Like I had the purity culture thing down. I got that one. That one I understood, you know, no V-necks, no short shorts, no bikinis. Don't kiss a boy. Don't have sex because you'll get pregnant and die. And then, um, you know, I had that down. So I thought like, okay, because I'm not having impure thoughts and I'm not being impure, I'm, I'm good. And you talk about this in your book too, which I, you just hit everything. Um, <laughs> but tithing, I didn't tithe. So according to the I, theology you were raised in and that you were, you know, attending in your church, you're screwed. Like, I, yeah, no, I don't if have a way to salvation at all. In all of your purity, you were still going to die and go to hell. Right. Because like we were taught purity culture salvation, essentially. You were taught like this different kind of salvation. Like this. Like, all of it. Yeah. It's everything. You it's your income. You need to tie. You got to dress a certain way. You, all the things. Wow. You're, it was like a very was controlled stressful. environment. Yeah. It, I'm, I'm surprised I still got edges. Like, yeah. You still got edges. No alopecia here. <laughs> Did not lose your hair from stress. <laughs> Girl, it was so stressful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I was really trying. I just, I think I said in the book, I, I had a case of the can't get rights. Yes, you did. Yeah. I have a case of the can't get rights. I just can't do I anything right. Did it together for a long period of time. And you were trying. The life, I just couldn't. You were trying so hard. So I was hard. Trying. So hard. Man. And people would be like, you know, living for God is not that hard. And I'm like, what God y'all living for? We in the same church hearing the same messages. What what God y'all living for? Maybe they just well, had an easier life. Or, you know, like I was doing these 21 day fast and oh my God. 21 days of no eating. 
no eating on my wow. own. The the um one of the churches that I was in that I spent my twenties and part of my thirties in, we had a yearly church fast that was twenty one days where we all together fasted. Um, but you know, we were also taught, don't be just waiting for the 21 day fast. You need to have a fast in your life, you know, because to keep your body under subjection, yada, 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 and all of that. So I would go on these 21 day fasts because I was in love with a man and I could not stay away from him. My God, he was like my world. And it, because we were not married, it made it all wrong and all this kind of stuff. And so I'm trying to fast so that I can be delivered from my feelings towards him and so girl, the fast wow. like this was, over, this was over 10 years I cannot tell you how many 21 day fasts that I went on by myself I mean you know I slimmed down in 21 days I would be okay for like a week but then if he come calling me I'm weak I did not get no strength on my fast it's supposed to strengthen me like it wasn't working and I was like, okay, maybe I need to pray some more. So I'm like praying all the time and I'm like doing these fasts. Girl, now I be eating. Good. <laughs> I be eating too. We got to all eating. eat. I got time to be fasting like that. I've never so, done yeah. a fast. I've done intermittent fasting, but I've never done an actual fast. So when you're mm-hmm. fasting for that long period of time, do you eat a little bit or is it just like strictly nothing? Like No. So how do you stay alive? Um, because I was really, I was really, really trying to get delivered. So I wasn't going to eat anything. The only thing that I did, of course, was drink water and I would drink some juice sometimes, but mostly it was just water, but absolutely and no food. How do you survive? Like, that's you, like, well, I don't, you can survive, but how do you, you can survive? You'll die faster from dehydration. So it's why it's important okay. to have your water. You'll die from dehydration, dehydration before you die from starvation. How did okay. you have energy, though? I had the Holy Ghost power, girl. <laughs> she had the Jesus power of the Holy Christ. Ghost. Well, no, your body starts to, like, eat itself, essentially, yeah. for energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fat that's stored in your body. Um, but, well, first goes yeah. all of the muscle mass. That's first. Is it starts to eat your muscle. And then it will Listen, go towards the fat. I fasted a lot. I had and one one of my church friends at the time, like she was trying to get delivered. She had a whole list of things that she was trying to get delivered from so she could be perfect mm-hmm. before the Lord. This girl would fast two weeks out of every month. This poor every thing. month. What was she, a waif of a creature? Two weeks out of every month. Was she Thank this big, you. the size of my pinky? Like No, she wasn't. You know, I don't I don't know how she like she she was she was woo, she was doing more than me. I would she was do probably like saving three, extra money to tithe. I do like three, maybe maybe four 21 day fasts a year. But this girl was fasting every month at least 14. Three days. to four 21 day fasts a year is what you were That's doing. Almost a whole month. I That's was almost a whole month delivered. of fasting. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I was trying to get, oh right. my God. I was trying to get more of Jesus. I was trying to decrease so that he could increase within me. You fasted every year for about two months at a time. If you were doing three 21 day fasts a year, that's 63 days. That's two months out of the year that you weren't eating. Wasn't eating a thing. And I Bless was you. dreaming about eating and not waking up like, oh my God. Didn't realize hey. I was screaming. Man, this church has Stockholm syndrome hold on you. <laughs> <laughs> the 
this is crazy. Like, I don't think anyone could ever, even like, I see like how, you know, in, um, Islam, you know, they have Ramadan and they fast and like, I I can't even do Lent. Right. Okay. You know, (laughs) give something up. Okay. I'm not going to watch trash TV. You know what? No, I have to watch trash TV. It's an addiction. I can't stop. It doesn't matter how strong and powerful God is. I'm not giving it up. I've never given up a damn thing for Lent. Never done it. Oh yeah, and Lena, what forty days? Yes, yeah, forty days. We give up one little thing, like one little thing, and I can't even do that. You know what? Life is like, short. I'm not giving up shit. Days. Come on, man. You can <laughs> not go to McDonald's for forty days. You can do this. But <laughs> I fasted one time um, because you know, in church, and you're a woman getting married is like. The top, oh, that's the top the priority, the MRS. And, I'm like, and then you hit like 23, 24, you're not married, you're an old maid. Like, oh, girl, I know. I'm 27. And I'm, married. I'm an old maid. <laughs> so, uh, 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 girl, uh, a girlfriend of mine, we were like getting, in, getting up in age. Girl, we weren't even 30, but we getting up in age and um, we're not married yet. So it's like, what's wrong with us? Are we not living right before the Lord? Are we like what we need to go on a fast to so we can get ourselves together for a husband? So God will send our husband. So we're gonna do a long fast. And because it's so long, we can't go without eating that long. Like we went on a six-month fast. Oh my God. And um, she I can't remember what she gave up for six months, but me, I was like, okay. I'm not going to eat meat for six months. Mind you, at the time, I loved chicken, like, in any form. I also love chicken in any form. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, like, hungry right now, so my tummy's growling, talking about all this food and fasting. So we did it for six months. I did not eat meat for six months. And we had some other things thrown in there because we did get to eat food. We wanted to make it even more stringent. You know, I couldn't eat mm-hmm. meat, but I could eat all these vegetables and stuff. So I needed to also give up something else for these six months. And I can't remember what it was. Humans so, just love to suffer. We do. You're supposed to. That's your, that's your calling when you're a Christian. Okay, let me stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> after six months, the fast was over. And I think maybe six months after that. So a total of a year, I think she got married. And she's like, sis, the fast work, God sent my husband. And I'm over here. Wow. I was still single. Like, okay, God, I went <laughs> on this fast with her for the same reason. But where he at, though? Because mm. I've been taught that if I need to be delivered, if I really, really desire something from you, I need to, you know, truly be that living sacrifice. I ain't nobody with no ring on it. Like, I was low-key jealous. I mean, low key. Because I man, <laughs> constantly like for a whole six months. Yeah, Dang they you. always confuse like causation. Um. Oh God, I forgot. What I, I know what you're trying to they say. Always, they always, they always that God under her face. Yeah, it's because always like, oh, this is because of this. Gave me this this great job. Right. Yeah, instead mm-hmm. of just like a coincidence, they're always like, mm-hmm. oh, anytime. You know, God has blessed me. No, honey, it just, it would have happened either way. Mm-hmm. You could have ate for six months. <laughs> you could have eaten. You could have. That could have been a thing. Yeah, I think, I think we fall into these weird, 
ideas i mean new age spirituality does this as well like law of attraction and stuff it's like oh i didn't manifest specific enough because i got you know i did get a man but like he he didn't have all of these other things that i was supposed to manifest but i didn't know i needed to manifest it because i didn't know you know Mm -hmm. it's still the same thing it's like no this is you met somebody you started dating them it wasn't a good fit it has nothing to do with like I don't know. I think mindset is a big thing, but like truly, truly like manifestation and prayer and blessings and all of that. I'm like, you know, yes, we can be like looking for the positives in this, but like, how can I say that I've been blessed? And then the person next to me is going through very similar circumstances and like, they didn't get the same blessings that I got. You know what I mean? Especially when you look at my situation, like we went on this fast together, same purpose, gave up something very um pleasurable to us gave it up for six months like and then she got married she i think she was married um some she was married some years before i got married wow and then you know people fast and then they're all delivered or they seem to be delivered from whatever was ailing them whatever thorn in their flesh they had Mm -hmm. and then there's me over here doing like two to you know, three to four, 21 day fast. And I still love this man. <laughs> like, yeah. I can't stop loving him. I can't. And love him. Loving that man of mine. Mm-hmm. It was bad. So yeah, all the sacrifices that we are taught to make, when you come out of it, you see that it is kind of in vain. Like you could have been eaten. Yeah. You know, you could have been paying your bills mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. struggling to keep your lights on, keep food on your table. But it all ties into that fear of going to hell. You will do anything to avoid that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Well, yesterday, thank you so much for joining us again for another just amazing conversation. <laughs> You're blowing my mind every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> through through so many so many ways, you have a social media group, a Facebook group called Get Your Bliss. Um, it's a ladies only fun times. Um, <laughs> talk about all the blissful things. I'm in the group. Rachel's in the group. We have a good time in there. Um, but yeah, no, this book was great. I'm, I'm going to tell our listeners, if you can tell our listeners where they can buy your book and if they would like a signed copy, how to mm-hmm. access that. Um, you can find my book on Barnes and Noble, Goodreads and Amazon. Okay, and if you want a signed copy, you can slide into my DMs on IG um, at Get Your Bliss or my DMs on Facebook. Just Yesida A. Davis. Okay. okay. And Yesida is also in our um, Facebook group. So if you're not in the Facebook group and you would like to chat with her, you can always add yourself in. We'll let you in and you can tag her in your post if you have any questions about how to get her book. Um, It's fantastic. Black church girl adjacent, a black woman's journey in faith, feminism, and freedom out now. Barnes and Noble, Amazon, get the book, read it. It's, it's great. It's just great. And I'm waiting for, I thought it was going to be longer because I got to the end and I was like, why is there only one chapter about pleasure? So I think the next book needs to just be the pleasure guide. <laughs> yeah, the next book, okay. Since the healing, the healing. The next, <laughs> the next book is called Nectar, Ambrosia and Honey. Oh, <gasps> 
oh, it's going to be sexy. I'm ready for it. it Does is. it have a little erotica in it too? I'm hoping. Well, I mean, if you think my life is erotic. <laughs> it is. I think that you have a very erotic life, personally. <laughs> I know a different side about, of you, CD. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be about finding and tapping, not finding, but allowing yourself to lean into your essence, your sexual essence. And um, I'll go ahead and tell you the book opens with a personal story about um, someone telling me to turn it down. Okay. I'm like, turn what down? You ooh, sex appeal, sister. So this was somebody in leadership telling me to turn down my sex appeal. I was clueless because I'm out here, plain face, long skirt, body covered, depressed, oppressed, all the est. And I was not feeling sexy at all. So I didn't know what I was supposed to turn down. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know that that's just me. That's my vibe. That's my energy. That's my nectar. That's that thing that draws people draws people into me because nectar is like the food of the gods, you know, mm, yeah. it, it, you, you have honey is considered a, a, a nectar and it attracts things because go. Yeah. So it's a superfood. <laughs> into the pleasure thing and tapping into your sexuality and all of that. And book and number two. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. Awesome. I'm really excited for book number two. Book number one was great. You can read it in an afternoon. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sending me my signed copy. And I hope all of our listeners go grab a copy and, and get to reading. Thanks so, for having uh, me, y'all. It's always a pleasure. Oh, yeah. yes. We'll have you back on when the next book comes out. <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it because I have a, a tentative date uh, for February. Lovely. Oh, wow. Okay. You are just pumping it right out. She is just pumping yeah. them out. I'm so excited. All right. <laughs> well, it's been a great night. Um, great podcast. We love you guys. Yep. And we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Cheers to Leaving. Sound and editing by Cameron Smith. Please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and share with your friends and others who are deconstructing. Are you looking for a safe space to deconstruct and be in community with others who are also in the same process? Join our Facebook support group. Just answer the questions when you request to join. Be a part of the conversation, meet like-minded individuals, and get some support. Find the link in our show notes or search for Cheers to Leaving support group on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at Cheers to Leaving. Email us at cheers to leaving at gmail.com with your stories about leaving evangelicalism. See you next week.